Hey, Jason Wood here, the VA Loan Guy and host of the Armed and Ready podcast. Today, we have a really exciting episode for you. Come on and take a look. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. I am your host, Jason Wood, the VA Loan Guy. We have an exciting guest with us today on our episode. We have Will Potts, Navy veteran and real estate broker up in Washington. And uh, Will has served in the Navy for 20 years. We're super excited to see, to learn about his experience in the Navy and what he's up to now. So Will, thank you so much for joining us today. How are you? Good, Jason. Thank you. And I appreciate the time. How are you doing? Pretty good, man. Um, excited to have you on the show. I know we got to talk a little bit um, about a month or so ago and uh, got to know you a little. Um, but our audience doesn't know who you are. And I'm, I'm interested to learn about, you know, what makes you tick and what got you into the military? Like, what was it that was like the trigger to go, hey, I'm going to go serve my country? <laughs> yeah. No, it was. Uh, so my dad was in the Air Force. He was an instructor pilot back in the early 70s. And I grew up with that. He was in the uh, airlines uh, for several years. And then sometime, you know, I built model airplanes throughout my youth. And then 1986 and Top Gun happened. So that really kind of kickstarted it. Uh, and then I went to college. I wanted to go to a service academy. That didn't work out. That's, that was fine. I went to Georgia Tech and graduated. This was 93, 94. And I was kind of bumming around the golf course as a caddy and thought, well, this isn't going to pay enough. And so I, I need to do something. Else. And I thought, well, you know, shoot, I just go back and join the Navy. Uh, I, so I enlisted and went to Great Lakes boot camp, then went to Officer Candidate School in Pensacola. And 20 some years later, retired. That's kind of short and uh, sweet nice. version. Yeah. What, did, what, was, what was your job in the Navy? What did you do? So I was a Naval flight officer. I flew the EA-6B Prowler. Uh, and that's what brought me up to Washington, Whidbey Island, uh, Oak Harbor. That's where it was based. Interestingly, I was born in 71. That was the first flight of the Prowler. And I retired in 2015. And that was the last flight of the Prowler. So it's, oh, wow. cool. it's no longer on... Uh, it's on a stick or it's in uh, museums if you want to go see one. So, yeah. You know, I'm not familiar with that airplane. What, what was the uh, mission for that aircraft? Electronic attack, electronic surveillance. Uh, it's a four seat, two in front, two in the back. It's basically, if you know what an A6, most people know what an A6 intruder is. Yeah. You just take that airframe and stretch it to put two oh. more seats uh, behind the pilot and co-pilot. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so any, any fun stories you can tell us from, from your days flying? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you know, I had a great time. Uh, I, I would certainly do it again. I, I spent a lot of time, my first tour was in Japan, uh, 1998, VAQ-136. Uh, it was the first time I had really been out of the country other than Canada and Mexico. And so it was quite the uh, experience. Uh, we get over there, I fly over on a, a Japan Airlines flight, um, and then two months later, we're deployed to the Arabian Gulf for four or five months. And then if we get back, and so I haven't really experienced Japan, and uh, my friend and I, of all places, wanted to go to, uh, we heard about this Mexican restaurant, 
um, which was near the base, which at Sugi base is in the suburbs of Tokyo, kind of southwest, uh, east of Mount Fuji. So we had to get directions, and this was back before you had iPhones and all that, uh, smartphones, and so you had to get directions and you had to have landmarks, and uh, we seemed to get there okay, but we can't speak Japanese and we certainly can't read it. Uh, so we come back, it's nighttime. We're, we're not maybe five miles from the base and I think it took us probably three hours to uh, find a way back. We would stop, <laughs> we would drive and I said, okay, man, it's your time to go talk and ask, see if you can get directions here. <laughs> uh, so that was, it was, I love Japan. I was there three years and got to go all across the Pacific and uh, it, it was a great time. So I was, I was thoroughly excited to do that. That's really cool. Any, um, I, I always wondered, because being a military aviator was my goal too. So Top Gun was also my big influence and reason I joined. And um, I wanted to be an aviator and it, it didn't end up happening, but I was always curious about the experience, maybe your, your first time um, doing a carrier landing or even a carrier takeoff. I mean, it's, I've flown small planes, so I know like a regular runway that doesn't move, you know, but you know, you've got a moving target there. How, how was like your first experience? Was it pretty scary? It was, uh, I, I didn't know enough to be scared at that time. And it was, it was daytime. So it was a lot different than night. Uh, and it was uh, not far from where you are right now uh, off the coast in San Diego. So we flew down to uh, uh, North Island and then out some distance out in the water there. Uh, and that was my first experience. And I think I flew out, no, I flew aboard the Prowler and that was my first trap, the arrested landing. And then we circled back around on the flight deck. And so the first time we landed was the first time ever. And it was, uh, it's kind of like on a high speed amusement ride. It's really, it's kind of, uh, it never got old. It was always thrilling. I mean, you stop from 140 some odd miles an hour in about two, two and a half seconds. And everything was happening so quickly. I said, I just hope I don't kill myself. And then we're spinning or anyone else and spinning around the flight deck and we taxi over to uh, the catapult. And this is gonna be the first one ever. And uh, I thought, oh man, I'm just trying to keep up here. And I remember it was the equal acceleration and, and you're going down the stroke and uh, two and a half, three seconds, you're 160 plus and it was, I kind of had, I thought I was laughing to myself. This is crazy. <laughs> and they're going to pay me to do this. And it was, it was exciting. It just, I, it was unbelievable. And like I said, it never got old. That was always fun. The only time it got old was at night. Uh, so, but daytime was great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. Um, that's cool. So you're, you got out of the Navy, retired, obviously. Um, now a lot of, a lot of guys end up that were aviators kind of end up going the commercial airline route, but that's not what you're doing today, right? You're, you're in real estate. Um, right. Tell me, tell me about getting out. What did you do and what was that transition like? Well, it was tough, Jason. You know, I had done something for 20 years that uh, had quite accustomed to habits and patterns and all that. And they tell you, well, it's going to be a big change. And so, but you never really know. It's kind of like being a kid again, when you're told by your parents, you know, you better do this. And so you now they don't know what they're talking about. So I retired and I was just messing around and I had been through all the transition courses that we had to take and all that. And 
I had a resume and applied for some jobs and was looking to work at a few places, more the name places like Amazon, Microsoft, that kind of thing. And uh, it just wasn't working out and for whatever reason, probably mostly my fault. And so my family had been in the real estate auction business for decades uh, back in Georgia, where I'm from. And also my neighbor, just a couple of houses down the street, kept talking to me, well, hey, why don't you come try this out? And so finally I gave in after about six months and with bills piling up. And so I had to do something and it was great. It was, a, I should have thought of that sooner. I'm, I'm never really sure why, but you get into this kind of focus on what you should do or what you're expected to do when you retire or what you think you're able and qualified to do. And sometimes you do something that's completely off your radar screen. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it's, it's really interesting. So you picked up now you weren't doing real estate with your family, right? Cause they're in Georgia. Yeah. Right. You're up in Washington. So um, you're on your own. And I mean, just because I'm in, in the same industry, you know, I know it's, you know, this is a commission only no one's, no one's giving you an hourly rate, you know, you don't get paid to just give advice, right? You only get paid if you're closing on a transaction. So um, getting your real estate license didn't mean the bills piling up got paid right away, right? I mean, there's no, there's, yeah. there's some ramp up time there. <laughs> they kept piling up. They just piled up faster too. And uh, yeah. luckily uh, I have a great wife and she was definitely taking care of me and helping me out and uh, a lot. And you're right. They, it takes a lot of money to get into the business and then just to get started. But then, as you know, you're just starting out like anyone else is and, and you're not going to be boom right at the top where you get to get all this business. Right. I mean, most of the time that doesn't happen. So it didn't happen in my case and it took some time and you have to still pay your bills and everything else with the business and at home. And so it took a good several years before the business started to ramp up and you get more clients and, and it just takes, it takes a lot of effort. It doesn't, for most people, I don't think it happens and I wasn't certainly a natural at it, uh, but it, it does take a lot of work and frustration. And I think um, the time I had in the Navy certainly helped out to prepare me to, you know, kind of weather the storm a little bit and, and tolerate all the, the problems and the difficulties of getting started. Uh, but yeah, I don't look back now. I think it was probably, I, I, the only regret is I didn't do it sooner because I retired in February of 15 and it took me until probably the end of that year. And I had my first deal early in 16. So I just kind of wasted a lot of time, but yeah. Yeah. So, sometimes you got to go through it though, you know? Uh, yeah. The hard way sometimes. The hard way. Yeah. I feel that pain. So you know, you don't ever want to see again. Right. Yeah. Um, so what's been like, what's been one of the most memorable parts of your career now that you've been in real estate almost six years coming on, on coming up to six years now, what's been one of your most memorable experiences? I think, um, I would say my, not my first transaction, but my, this was 2018 when my business kind of finally kicked in from sporadic, uh, deals. And I worked with a client who um, I had been with for a few years and we had a property that we were working on selling for her, um, a multifamily. 
and it was a difficult transaction for a lot of reasons. Uh, the market at the time, client expectations, my expectations, and it just took a lot of effort. It was on the market, off the market, I think two or three times. Um, and the day we finally got that thing sold and gone, it was, it was almost like the valve released and everything just started to kind of flow a bit after that. I mean, I got to learn a lot, uh, what to do, what not to do. Um, she was great to work with, uh, was very patient and tolerant of me. Um, gave me the opportunity, which I'm thankful for. But it wasn't anything necessarily specific, but that kind of that, um, much like the first time at the boat landing, uh, you got to go through that and experience the ups and downs. And then that's kind of what I did yeah. with this transaction. So it helped develop a lot of credibility and give me some experience and, and go forward. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. What have you found, you know, in, in, your, in your business, what have you found that's really helped you kind of get to finally to like a level of like, all right, I'm comfortable. Okay, now I'm having some success. Um, is there any, anything, maybe like a, a mentor you had or just like a, a saying or was it just grinding through? Like, how did you get to the point where you're like, okay, I got this now. I can, I can do it. I'm having some success and things are rolling. Well, I remember when I first started, I thought, well, okay, I'm licensed. Now, how do I do this? And it was, there <laughs> yeah. was no real, there was no real manual like I had before, right? To fly an airplane or to go do some type of mission. So I thought, okay, I got, I got to learn to do this. I got, what, what do I do here? And it took a lot of trial and error. And I thought, well, this is just kind of <clears throat> crazy. And like you said, you're not, they're not going to pay you unless you sell something, right? So I'm busting it to figure out. And I thought, well, it can't be this hard. And I had some resources. I finally kind of put everything together and it just took a lot of trial and effort. And what I finally figured out, Jason, was that I had to have a process uh, to do everything. And I had to have a disciplined approach so that I was using the time that I had to, you know, to be the most efficient broker that I could be. And once I figured that out, once I went through some coaching and I, I've hired a coach since, and I had some procedural steps to follow and some things to do on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, then focusing on the process kind of took care of everything else. The, kind, the business started to kind of fall in place <clears throat> and the referrals would kind of come in and things just started happening. And suddenly this was two years ago. Uh, so, oh, well, why didn't I think of this back in 2015, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of the time in a commission-only business, uh, you're, you're kind of on your own. It's you literally, no one, I mean, I had help. I had a great managing broker and a great boss, and they were doing everything they could. But still, you have to sell something yourself to get paid. And it's kind of a natural tendency that if, well, if the competition, even in the same office, well, I don't want to have all the business go to this guy. So sometimes you're just going to have to fight it out and, and make it work. And it just took a little bit longer. Had I, it, I had to discover that process really from A to Z on everything from an hourly, what am I going to do in the morning? How am I going to structure my day? Yep. How do I get through a transaction? Uh, how do I get new clients? Because you got to always be after new clients. You got to have business coming in. 
Yeah, so, no, I think you yeah. touched on it too with like, you know, the structure and, and hiring a coach and stuff. And I, I think one of, you know, for, for military folks who are transitioning into, you know, our industry or an industry that's similar is we're so used to structure, right? We're used to like be up at this time, be here at this time. This is what you're eating. This is what you're wearing, right? This is what you're doing for work today. Like yeah. it's all mapped out. I didn't have and, to think about what to wear for 20 years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, now, now you got to add that complexity. Um, but you know, you get into this and, and everyone's like, oh, the freedom, I can work when I want to, I can show up when I want to do what I want. I have all this freedom. The reality is you end up having less freedom because it takes so much more effort to, to get the momentum and get it rolling. Right. And yeah. so you're working on the weekends and you're working late at night and you're, you're seven days a week, you know, and hopefully not forever, but for a while you are. And, um, no, it's, it's uh, yeah, it's great. I love it. It's, it's really the first time once I got over that hump took a couple years, which was frustrating, but now, you know, I'm, for the most part, my own boss and my, I set my hours and the sky is kind of the limit on what we can do. And so well, that structure was great before and I needed some now, now it's to the point where I can kind of control that and I can manage my own decisions for the most part and do what I want to do and set my own goals and have the freedom to make it work. Yeah. But it's interesting because um, I hired a coach also. So I'm interested to get hear your perspective on, you know, hiring a coach. And I think for some people that might seem a little weird, right? You know, if they're working at, you know, on Amazon, for example, you probably wouldn't hire a coach to help you with your, your job. But, you know, when you're in business for yourself, um, I, I think it's a, a necessary piece to the puzzle. Um, but what, what are your thoughts on, you know, hiring a coach and how has that helped you? I absolutely, absolutely encourage it, recommend it. Um, don't stop it, go, just go ahead and do it. Uh, it. It's something I would have done from day one had I really known what to do from day one. But like I said earlier, I didn't have a manual or I didn't have something to kind of look at and I had to figure it out. I had to talk to people, but it's, it needs to be done because you're really on your own. And uh, to try and learn the hard way is just kind of crazy. So if you have a coach, I mean, real estate, the loan business, there's nothing really new, right, that you're doing in the business. So why do I want to waste my time trying to recreate the wheel? And so I think having a coach to, do, to help you and guide you, and that has done many, many transactions and much more experience than you'll ever have. I mean, I still have a great office leader. I have a great managing broker, but it's always good to have an outside different perspective. And so it, absolutely, even top performing brokers and agents have coaches. Uh, and I would highly recommend it. Even, even if you think it's going to cost an exorbitant amount, uh, it's still a business expense. And if you don't put any money into your business, how do you expect to make a lot of money how do you to be successful you have to put something out there and so yeah. i've had a coach now for nine months and i see no reason why to ever drop that yeah no i agree with you wholeheartedly on, on all of that i mean i i hired a coach about uh two years ago two and a half years ago now and it's made a world of difference in my business and i i liken it to and, and you might appreciate this being in the seattle area to um 
to Ken Griffey Jr., right? Arguably, that guy had one of the most beautiful swings of all time. I mean, when he swung the bat, it was just a thing of beauty, right? But as great as he was at hitting the ball, there was always someone in the dugout who was, you know, giving him those fine-tuned adjustments. Hey, you're not, you're not adjusting your hips, your legs, your wrists, your eyes, you weren't looking or your head was here. You know, there, there's always that, even the best of the best, which, you even know, Tiger, you Woods, at, yeah. Tiger Woods, same thing, right? It's mm-hmm. always continuing to refine, improve that process and improve that, that skill just a little bit more. And, um, and that's what really pushes you into, you know, the, the, the top, the top level of, you know, what you're doing, right. Whether it's playing golf or baseball or selling real estate. It's really, you know, I think I'm doing my clients a disservice if I don't try to make myself better as a broker. So there's really no reason not to do it. Uh, and you're always learning. And if you don't have someone to kind of push you and to show you what you don't know, because there are things you, you don't know that you don't know. Right. So you need someone, you need a different perspective. Otherwise, you might could do a few deals a year and, and be satisfied maybe, but uh, that's certainly not what I'm after. Yeah. Yeah. Same here. What have you seen in your market? I mean, I know, you know, right now we're, we're getting wrapping up towards the end of 2020 and yeah. you know, it's been a wild year. I mean, the COVID thing and the economy and there's just been so much and the close downs and the reopenings and all that stuff. But lo and behold, our industry, the real estate industry has been on fire. Um, yeah. Yeah. this year it's been I, I think nationwide it's just every month is, is hot but what are you seeing in your market how and how is that affecting you know kind of your military client base and what are you doing there well it's kind of a double-edged sword right you, you know for clients in the military that are relocating which they tend to do every couple three years right so finding a house finding housing is difficult but on the flip side, when they go to sell, not that hard. So it's fine. Right. The market's there. So if you're moving, it's not too much of a stressful situation because you think, well, I'm going to have this sold for the most part fairly easily. But then you got to worry about the other side of that where, okay, am I going to be able to find something? And so you kind of go from a high to a low uh, in terms of stress. But it's no different here. Um it's just the inventory levels are so low, Jason, that it, it it's almost like it's December, but it feels like you would never guess that if you just looked at market stats. Uh, you, yeah. you would think it maybe it's in the spring or maybe it's in the summer, but I've got I've got four or five buyers right now that if, if we could just find the property, they'd be ready to make a deal. Uh, so. I, it's really, to me, the, I mean, the interest rates are obviously helping out <clears throat> all time. Interest rates, it easily uh, affordable. You can actually buy more house. Uh, and then the inventory level is really the chief driver, in my opinion, that you have so little, so little, so few homes that there's so much competition. There's so many buyers out there that it's just elevating the prices even more. And so I, it's, it's kind of separated temporarily, I think, this year from what you might normally think a typical market would be. And then you think, well, the pandemic, it's just not even slowing it down. And I think it all comes back to inventory, really. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, 
it's crazy to see, you know, how much competition there is for, for each house and, you know, how many offers are, are being seen and, you know, some of the crazy things that they're putting in those offers just to try and get, get into that house. You know, the competition is, is really steep. Yeah. I had a, I sold a house in Mount Vernon, which I said earlier was about an hour north of Seattle and the buyers from Seattle had to sell their house to, to move up here to buy this one. And they put their house on the market, I think at 600 and something, uh, and it sold about 10%, 10 to 15% over list price. They had, they had probably 20, 25 offers. The winning offer was obviously cash, uh, no inspection. They basically waived everything. Uh, and that's a bit of an extreme example, but that's not too uncommon to see that. Uh, so yeah. when you've only got this, little bit of something that everybody wants then you're going to have a problem when it uh, comes time to go find a house uh, but that doesn't mean that you can't it's not impossible you just have to have again back to that process you just got to have some strategies and an approach and you can't just roll out and looking on a weekend and think okay i like this well let me go talk to a, a, a lender and see what i can do yeah but you're too late <laughs> yeah. yeah too late yeah, you got to be you got to be really prepared in, in this market and do everything ahead of time. Um, no doubt, no doubt about that. Um, and the other thing too, I think um, that this market will is doing is it's kind of weeding out um, those that are not so strong at it and those that are good at it, right? And, and what I mean is like, you know, for for people looking to buy or sell a house, it's really aligning with the right professionals that that can get it done, right? Because there's so many people in our industry. I mean, the barrier to entry is, is not all that steep. So there's there's a lot of people to choose from and, and being able to find the right person to help you buy that house or help you sell that house right. or get you the finance. Like that, those are the ones that are having the clients get into their home. Those are the ones that are having the sale price 15% over list, you know? and and I think sometimes that gets overlooked. It's just like, oh, the market's hot, so I'm going to make a lot of money in my house. Well, maybe, but having the right person is, is really what's going to drive that. And same on the buying side. It's like, yeah, you can pick any, any agent, but if you really want to get into the house, you got to have the right agent. Am I right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You got to have the right agent, the right broker, and the, light, and the right lender. You got, to have, you got to know that you can get through every step, appraisal, inspection you got to be ready for anything to happen you got to be able to close on time and so everything is just kind of heightened and exacerbated in terms of importance and so <clears throat> you think you're just going to roll down and and, and uh, walk in with oh my cousin is a broker or just got his her license and we'll, we'll be fine because hey I'm selling this house I can just slap it on the market and it'll be fine right well, you might get taken advantage of. You might, and certainly as a buyer, if you don't know the strategies and uh, the importance of an inspection and what to do, and there's just so many tripwires that it's complicated. It's uh, and if you make a mistake, it's the most well for most people, it's the most expensive transaction that they'll ever have. Uh, then it's a real problem. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and one of the wisest. Um, transactions you can ever do too. I mean, for, you know, setting yourself and your family up for the future, um, 
you know, it's been proven time and time again, there's, there's no better investment than real estate. Right. right. And we all need a roof over our head of some kind. Right. Every wealthy person I, uh, person I know has multiple properties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a statistic out there and I can't recite where it's from, but um, more wealth in the United States is created through real estate than any other vehicle. Right. Yeah. And um, so, you know, especially for, you know, our, our military audience that's listening to this and, you know, maybe still active duty and, you know, you're, you're getting your, your PCS orders and stuff like that. And maybe you lived on base most of the time or, you know, rented outside of base or whatever, um, you know, the road to really securing your, your financial future is, is going to begin with real estate. And it's, it's a super, super smart thing. And you have, you have some advantages, you know, that other home buyers don't have in the sense that you have like that VA loan. And that's, that's a financial tool that really is unmatched in the market. Um, so you still have the same challenges, right? Of, getting an offer accepted and finding the right house, but that doesn't change anything. Um, but you have such a great opportunity ahead of you, right? And then you're going to move in three or five years and you can do it again. And, and you know, over the course of a career, you know, if you're, if you're planning and, and really doing it the right way, you can get out of the military after a nice career, have your military pay, probably some disability pay. And who knows, maybe yeah. a couple, three houses, paying you some rental income, or maybe one of the houses is paid off, paying you a lot of rental income. I mean, you're set up really good for that time in the future. And, you know, then the world's your oyster. Yeah, you got some options there. You got flexibility. You can work if you want to or do whatever you want. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so we'll tell us a little bit. I want, I want to make sure people know how they can connect with you um, and what areas um, you service in, in um, Mount Vernon area and stuff and let them know how to best reach you. Is there a website they can get to you? Um, and, Cause we got people listening to this that are, that are, you know, that's a big military area where you're at. Same with where I'm at in San Diego. You're one of the biggest in the nation up there. Um, so you got a lot of folks that could potentially be needing your services. Well, you can go to my website, which is willpots.com. Uh, and you can start there. Um, I've got a Facebook business page as well, Will Potts at John L. Scott Real Estate. And you can find my numbers on, as there, uh, on there as well. Uh, and I, work, I worked in Oak Harbor, which is on Whidbey Island where the base is. I've worked in Seattle. I've worked over on the uh, Gig Harbor area recently in Bellingham is where my office is. And so I, I'm a little bit all over based on my clients needs and where they, they need to go. Uh, and I've worked in Anacortes, which is in Skagit County where Mount Vernon is as well. So I've got quite a range. If you're looking to live near Seattle uh, and North in the Puget Sound, then I can certainly help. Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, well, I just want to thank you. I know it's hectic out there, super busy. Time is limited um, in our industry. So I really, really, truly appreciate you taking some time to be with us today on the Armed and Ready podcast. And um, for all our listeners out there, if you missed his contact information, you can always reach out to me at valoanguy.us. We can get, get you connected with Will or answer any of your real estate transitioning questions, any of that stuff, we're here to help. Uh, but thank you so much for checking out this episode and we'll be back soon. Okay, thanks Jason, appreciate it. Thanks.
Thanks for checking out another episode of the Armed and Ready podcast. If for any information or follow-up to this episode, you can reach out to me at valoneguy.us. Thank you.